Everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Neat on Belly podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, me, Brandon, <laughs> and boys. Today we are gonna recap UFC 297 and new and and still. And I mean, are you kidding me? Fasting. Are you kidding me? The Sugar Show has begun, folks, and we got a lot to talk about. Uh, that surrounds this card, mainly this fight. So buckle up because we're going to talk mm-hmm, about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we'll get you guys set up uh, for a fire, fire fight night card this weekend as the UFC returns to Singapore with Max Holloway versus the Korean Zombie. Um, but a bunch of great matchups on this mm-hmm. uh, fight, you know, all the way down top to bottom, even outside of the main event. Um, and as always, all the news and happenings in and around the world of MMA and more. But first, boys, how are we doing? Episode 147 of the Neon Belly podcast, or as some people are calling it, the highest possible break and snooker episode of the Neon Belly podcast. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Either way, we're just glad you're listening. I don't even know what that means. You don't know what snooker is? Nope. Do you read? Yeah, actually, it's one of my one for the people. It's gonna be talking about reading. Wow. Well, you must not read very much if you don't know what snooker is. Mm. Legend, legendary uh, UK sport, man. Yeah. Have you ever seen Jersey Shore? Uh, no. Jeez, watched man. like a few random clips, but yeah, absolutely. Um, let us start because that just was just such a weird start by Brandon. I mean, how do you <laughs> okay. not know what snooker is? Uh, <laughs> sorry if you're listening. I'm sure you feel as awkward as I do right now. Um, I want to start as always by thanking everybody for another incredible live kickback show this mm-hmm. past Friday night. Uh, we do our live UFC pay-per-view pre-fight shows over on the MMA Underground YouTube channel um, the night before the pay-per-views. Um, and our next one is going to be September 8th, the night before UFC 293, Adesanya versus Strickland. Um, and again, man, just having so much fun with those. Every time we do them, they get yeah. funner. Great interactions in the chat, which is why we do it. We want to hear from people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you listen to this podcast week in, week out, um, this is your chance to come tell us you're, we're wrong. Yell at right. us. Agree with us. Laugh with us. Cry with Brandon if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, it's totally up to you. Uh, but either way, get involved in these kickbacks, man. It's one of the coolest things we get to do um, each and every week. Yes. Well, uh, fight week, I guess. It's, <laughs> it's becoming definitely, like, I used to look, I mean, I still look forward to the embedded to an extent, but pre-fight-wise stuff, it's starting to become one of my favorite things just because we get to get a, a gauge on how other people are feeling. We get to build up our own hype. It just becomes something really fun. Yeah, the format's really fun. I just like the looseness and engaging yeah. with people. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Boys, we could literally spend probably an entire hour on UFC 292 main event alone. Um, And that's just not going to work. This is probably going to be a little bit longer episode because there is so much to get to. We also have fights to pick for, as we mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, The UFC fight night in Singapore. Um, So let's just get into it. Rate, sub, follow. Brandon, let the people know and draw it out while I go turn my AC on because it is hot. (laughs) And I turned it up and I was supposed to turn it back down. If you guys don't know, I've gotten up like four times before we even hit record because i keep forgetting stuff i'm off my game a little bit uh but make this drag out brandon i'll be right back all right guys every week we ask you to get as engaged and involved as you can with our podcast because it just helps us grow and lets people know what we're trying to do here so i'm just Mm going to give you a a few ways you can do that so first you can find us on social media through tiktok which i don't use but we they use john john's a big big guy on that Mm -hmm. tiktok youtube 
Twitter as well. You can also give us a five-star review on Spotify. And you can also give us a written review as well as five stars on Apple Podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, if you give us a written review, we do re read those out on the pod. So that's pretty cool. Um, some people, you know, would consider it almost world famous to be shouted out on our pod. So yeah, I think I if, mean, you, if you want that nod, I think you should really, you know, throw in a comment, right? Right. Um, very worthwhile. So anyways, you can check out all of those through our Neon Belly um, podcast or the name for it all is at Neon Belly Pod. Is there one that's different or is well, it all Neon at? Belly Podcast. Neon Belly Pod is the Twitter. Okay, that's when I always mix yeah. up. So Neon Belly Pod for Twitter. Everything else is Neon Belly Podcast. Yeah, so. we had a had a nice time on Twitter last night. I was throwing some stuff out. We were getting some interaction, got some retweets. We got some replies. It was a... You know, um, you know what's big when we finally end up as one of the tweets on the UFC's like... Yeah, when that's, they, when that's they the show. goal. Yeah. We, we need somebody like John Anik reading it at the bottom. So-and-so is thinking that... Someone so got hit with a DVD yeah. player or something. To, we like. have to hit up Jacob for some tips because yeah. I feel like his are almost worth worthy of being yeah. on UFCs. Probably one of the best Twitters. Okay, yeah. my thermostat battery says low and it's not kicking on. This is not a good start. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is going to be uh, a hot one. And it is hot <laughs> in central Indiana this day. It's going to get hotter. I boy. know, I know. Boy, I'm going to be sweating in this corner. <laughs> but let's get to it, boys. Uh, UFC 292 uh, this past week from Boston, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Gotta love it, baby. And where's that? <laughs> that's right. And in our main event, boys. <laughs> Sugar Sean O'Malley defeats Al Jermaine Sterling via second round TKO. And wow, yeah, uh, the boy is a superstar, fellas. Uh, what a right hand by Sean O'Malley. Uh, you know, Aljo kind of overextends a little bit, um, and Al O'Malley just sends it straight down the middle, lands flush, just beautifully timed. Um, round one was kind of definitely a feeling out process a bit um, mm -hmm. from both men. I did score the round for Aljo, though, I thought with the leg kicks, um, and you were kind of starting to see some redness on the calf, the right calf of Sean O'Malley. So I was like, okay, he's even occurring a little damage here, right? Um, and then in round two, which kind of an interesting observation looking at it now, right, and how the fight played out is um, I almost got like there was a bit of concern from Aljamain Sterling in the corner that he may have lost that first round. He was very mm -hmm. um, he was very uh, adamant that his corner told like he was asking, you know, did I win that? What's you know, he just seemed like maybe he did not want to get down rounds here. And you can understand why in a fight like this, uh, right. but just very interesting um, because then he came out and he just went for it. Right. Kind of exactly how he came out against Corey Sanhagen, much how I thought he would actually come out in this fight. I was interested to see him be so hesitant mm -hmm. um, in that first round. But O'Malley's dangerous, right? We right. understand the threat there. Um, but Aljo came out, started pressing the action, looking for the takedown. Two things that everyone, including all of us, believed would lead to O'Malley's downfall in this fight, yet he handled the pressure well with his footwork, defended the takedown perfectly, it has to be said, mm -hmm. and then finds that right hand. I mean, he really just kind of ticked all the boxes, in my opinion, that you wanted to see, or we've kind of been calling out to see from Sean O'Malley here. Um, granted, not a large sample size fair. One takedown is all he had to defend, but when you defend one takedown from a guy like Aljamain Sterling, that's pretty big, right? That's a major, major thing. Um, and if any of us weren't believers, I think we all are now. I mean, I don't even really know what you say about this dude. Um, he's been under a microscope since he came into the UFC. Every time he fights, he's under a ton of pressure. He rises to 
to the occasion, even in the loss to Cheeto, right? Um, the hype could have died there. We see it all the time. Mm-hmm. You get these new guys coming up, and everybody's all bit, and then they lose once, and it's gone. You know, they just quite ne- they don't ever quite get back to that. Um, yet, even when he was doubted, he continued to win um, in big spots and big fights, and now he's the bantamweight champ of the world. Man, take mm-hmm. a bow, Sugar Sean O'Malley. Wow, wow. Cut the promo, man. So, are you are you surprised by the result? Yes. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I here's the thing. I, I think it's kind of, again, it's like that. We kind of talk about it. Um, I mean, we've said it for a couple fights now, but it's almost like that uh, uh, Curtis Blades, um, uh, Hootie fight, the big Russian dude that I can't think of, the number two heavy. Pavlovich. Pavlovich, where it's like, well, if if Blades takes him down, of course he was always going to take him down. And mm-hmm. if Pavlovich knocks him out, of course he was going to knock. So it's like, it's easy to look at the result today and say, like, of course, if Sean O'Malley was going to win, this is how he was going to do it. But right. did I think he was going to win? Absolutely not. Did I know if he was going to win, this would be how he would? But Yes, mm. but not not at all what I was expecting. Like, no. you, you just thought Aljo was going to be way more I dominant. Just, yeah, I just, I did not, I didn't think he would be able to land the shot, man. I don't mm. know why. I know he was capable of it. Again, mm. I'm not saying that. Um... But yeah, I mean, this is the guy we're talking about. And now Jermaine Sterling was the best bantamweight in the world coming into this fight. And I, I mean, I still believe he is. Um, but uh, to this point, obviously. But uh, yeah, I just didn't expect it fully. Mm. I mean, I, I, like I said, I, we talked about it on the live show, I think. You know, like, obviously, I said the same thing. If O'Malley's going to win, it's going to be a right hand. It's going to yeah. be some sort of knockout. But I don't know. I just The same thing for me and Serge the first round. I was surprised to see how hesitant Aljo was. I mm-hmm. feel like if he was a little more offensive, mm-hmm. especially with the takedowns, yes. um, he probably would have had more success. He just seemed like a little a little gun-shy with that with yeah. that takedown attempt. And credit to O'Malley because he was not allowing his back to stay along that fence line for very long. He was constantly engaging the lateral Good movement footwork, to stay yeah. off mm-hmm. of it, which I think played a, a large role. Even Aljo said that himself. But, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. That was just a little surprising to me. I think if he had been a little more offensively as far as wrestling that that could have gone a little different but credit to O'Malley I'm not trying to take anything away from the victory right. he, he looked great I mean he defended well like you said um but he's got some fun matchups ahead of him too so we'll get into that yeah we will and and even with when you look at the knockout shot getting Aljo to overextend was created by the footwork that's what's mm-hmm. so important about this that's big step back he did and got Aljo to overextend on it and just yeah and there might have only been less than a centimeter between the glove and O'Malley's nose. Yeah. And you just seen in the slow-mo, O'Ma- like, Sterling knew, like, oh, gosh. So he closed his eyes, braces How wild it. is that? He has all the time he wants just to cock back that right. And I think, you know, Joe Rogan kind of was saying it, like, you know, that's why you don't load up on big punches. But even more, I think that in that first round by about halfway through, Aljamain was feeling that speed. Mm-hmm. He was working with long fighters, but I don't think he was working with fast because there was times where it's like, oh, I can't get anything off unless I blitz in. But the way he blitzes in is often reckless, and that's what ended up being his demise at the end in that second round. I'm so glad you just brought up the finishing punch there because it's the slow-mo angle that they showed when it, you, from O'Malley's back. Um, and you can see, like John just said, Aljo saw the shot. They always say it's the shot you don't see coming that knocks you out, right? Aljo saw this thing coming down the pipe the whole mm-hmm. time, um, yet there was nothing he could do about it except yeah. for brace for it, right? He mm-hmm. tried to brace for it. Um, and I just... It, it's so funny when you just kind of 
like just certain things in fighting. I mean, I can't really explain what I'm trying to say, but like I would just I can't imagine what those point zero three seconds of Aljamain Sterling's life were like, right? right? I don't know if things flash before your face. I don't know if you say one big last like oh shiznit, like right. you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if it feels like eight seconds as like, you're just seeing yeah. this fist come to you and you're just like oh god, because he totally saw it. And yeah, it's just wild, man. Just even just seeing that view and that angle. I think I watched that like three or four times today, over and over, because it's like it's just crazy that he saw it coming the whole mm-hmm. time yet there was nothing he could do about it and he knew it right and i just i would love to have gotten into his mind for that like i said just 0.4 seconds whatever it probably was of like what flashed through his head right mm-hmm. then because mm-hmm. it's just one of those weird things that you never really think about in fighting um well and what, what's crazy know. for me on the mma math side right is you know o'malley hasn't got a finish since eddie wineland and he's fought some people that you would think you would say is obviously not as even close as good as aljermaine sterling and then even for sterling he's took some beatings and a lot of fights and still been there and for this kind of all to match up is just one of those things where that's why i'm surprised i did think that o'malley had a chance with some of his long strikes but to get put out that quick over somebody who is durable and somebody who's had a little bit of a problem with finishing people as much you know putting damage on people but not finishing them but it's just super surprising the level that he's got up And what about the stoppage? You know, I've seen a lot of people suggesting, uh, including the commentators there, that it seemed a bit early. Um, Any issues with you guys on the stoppage maybe seeming a little early? I mean, was it a little early? Sure, but I don't think it really would have changed the outcome if you tack on another 10 seconds. Yeah. I was kind of surprised with how much he was on his back when he went down. Like, it didn't seem like Mm -hmm. it was quick to get to all fours, which he kind of likes that position, being on all fours. Um, Didn't seem like he was getting there very quickly, so that even to me was like, "Eh, But it seemed like that's what he was... That's that's the only thing I wonder. Like, okay... I had seen enough. I'm okay with the stoppage, but he, uh, Mark Goddard stopped it as Aljo was turning over almost to go to that turtle position, right? Um, and I just wonder, man, like 0.5 more seconds. Like, you can laugh if you want. I know that's kind of like Aljo's meme position, right? Being in that, you know, down on his hands and knees there, so to speak, in that turtle spot. But uh, you just kind of wonder a little bit, you know, 0.5. Like, if he does get back to that base, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm not, even Aljo's, you know, not arguing the decision yeah. to stop the fight there. So. Yeah, I think it's always rough with champions too, especially where thing, you feel yeah. like, you know, this is a, you know, I'm losing everything if I lose this. Kind of let me get a little bit. Just a little bit, Let yeah. me, I mean, let me get, act like I'm not defending myself or like be like let incapacitated. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. we've seen people hold, grab onto a leg, recover a little bit, you know, right. fight gets longer. I mean, not to say that he couldn't have got up and got hit with another sure. shot, but he didn't get that chance either. Right. So I can understand some frustration on his part, but like he said, I mean, you know, I he felt like he was still in it, but when you're taking shots like that, especially hammer fists, mm. you know, the ref's only going to let that happen so long. Yeah, I don't know. And I think that O'Malley is particularly good at hitting guys when they, after he's knocked them down. Yeah. Like, he's really mm-hmm. accurate from yeah. there. So I think that even if Aljo did get to the turtle, O'Malley's probably not the guy you want to be chilling in turtle trying to do your head movement sure. stuff from your, your hands and knees. But again, you know... Maybe things go different, but... Yeah, and I guess even going back to, like, the, you know, when uh, Pereira knocked out Izzy, it's kind of that same thing. Like, if you're okay with that finish, you got to be okay with right. this one. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of a part of the sport. And, and I remember us saying the same thing about the Izzy one. You know, John, obviously, pretty pr- pretty booty hole hurt that he felt it got stopped early, even though it definitely didn't. I mean, it did, but and it's, it's like, okay. And it's like, well, John, you know, when you, you got... stood a, right up. When you got a guy like Alex Pereira standing in front of you and you're seeing three of them, your chances well, are... It's not going to last much well, longer the problem with that is is the second fight looked the same way till it didn't. It's not going to change much. And, and same, and I feel the same about Sean O'Malley. When you are at this level, that's kind of the counters. You do want to see a champ go out maybe, but when you're at this level, 
guys aren't going to make mistakes. They're going to get you out of there. Um, uh, but John, you had tweeted last night, and or you had mentioned it, and then I believe I think you tweeted it. Um, you said you were going to, but uh, you just almost can't imagine too how this probably feels mm-hmm. for Sean O'Malley's yeah, coach Tim Welsh. Um, this guy believed in him from a very young age. You know, took him in, developed him, uh, helped bring him to this point, let him move it from Montana to Arizona <laughs> or whatever to live with him. Um, you know, they have a lot more than just like a coach athlete relationship, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like they're truly like best friends, brothers, partners in this whole thing. Um, and you just feel like Tim deserves, uh, as much love and credit for this moment as well. Yeah, um, he's and, been banging that drum for Sean yeah. O'Malley this whole time. Yeah. Even when people, you know, obviously, you know, Sean O'Malley lo- loses the Cheeto says it's not a loss, yeah. you know, has the close fight with Peter Yawn, And it's like, I don't know. And he's just sitting there saying like, it don't matter. We're going to be champion. You know, he's, he's so much better than a lot of these guys. And then the fruit of the labors right here, man. Yeah, absolutely. We're you going to say something. Yep. Okay. Um, so let's get to it. I think this is, we got to get to brass tacks here a little <laughs> bit. Um, Sean O'Malley is now the new bantamweight champion. Uh, so do you guys think, or who do you guys think he should face next? Uh, he said he wants Cheeto Vera in December. However, Marab Dwalashwili probably would be more deserving in my opinion. But Aljamain Sterling also seemed a bit reluctant to commit to the featherweight division moving forward as well. Um, he is the most winningest, or he is the most winningest bantamweight of all time with the most title defense is uh so regardless of the knockout you could also argue he deserves a rematch uh but would you guys like to see sugar show uh take on that jeez i'm so tongue-tied today (laughs) who would you guys like to see the sugar show take on next i think honestly after aljo and his press conference was talking about the rematch i kind of like the rematch honestly i don't think has o'malley had a rematch in his career that we know of not that i know i think first of all i think that would be cool i think it'd be cool to see i think he's deserving given what he's done at 35 and it would be it would kind of get rid of some of that doubt from the weirdness from his career and also just the weirdness for for o'malley i think it would be really good for both of them to have a rematch but also I'm not mad at Cheeto or Marat, man. Honestly, any three of these guys I think is a fantastic matchup. I think Cheeto's probably the worst matchup of the three. Well, just because of the fact that he's going to win over O'Malley, and he's pretty durable. Um, but Marab as well, he's going to spam that takedown probably way even more so than, than Aljo. I mean, I like all three, to be honest with you. I don't but know if you had to pick one. If I had to pick one right now, I kind of want to see the rematch with Aljo. Number two would probably be Cheeto, to be honest with you. See, for me, it's Marab. I feel like he's earned this situation. I mean, he's been outside of Aljamain Sterling, the most dominant bantamweight in the whole division, and um, and has done everything you could ask him to do except for fight Aljamain Sterling. So I think, and I think that he presents kind of like what you said. It's a similar issue, but it's a way more. Um, like you said, spamming takedowns. He's not going to even try to play in the in the striking. He's going to. I mean, we've seen him shoot like a thirty takedowns on Aldo. Like he'll he'll do it until he gets it. And um and, and that's something that we need to you know we still want to see a little bit more of because I think when you do watch the Aljamain fight, you're thinking you know maybe you try to you know stand with him less and shoot for those takedowns more. Um, I would say Marab, and then I would probably say Cheeto, only because I feel like. If you have your foot out the door already, if you're Aljamain, how do you get back in it, even with the loss? Like, the, the weight cut couldn't have been easy, and he was probably thinking in his head, okay, cool, last time I got to do this. So last time I got to put myself through this, and then now try to get back to it. I don't know if he's going to want to do that. Sure. Um, and Jacob asked us this morning, actually, I thought it was a good question, is um, do you think a guy like Marab Dwalish really would have more success taking down a Sean O'Malley in a fight? I know you guys kind of both just talked about it, but, you know, even given what we saw last night, him kind of defending and then kind of catching, you know, I 
I don't. Do you think it would really be much different against? Yeah, Kimura? yeah, because I think Aljo deviated a little bit from his game plan. I, th- I think that I think the first round wasn't as offensive as it probably was supposed to be. And you even talked about how he was kind of concerned about how that first round went, how much of that played into his approach yeah. in the t- in the second round, right? I think that's a big part of it. So I think if Marav can again stick to his game plan, I think he has way more success. It's it's almost like uh who do we t- like Connor, Silva, these guys, it, Izzy who do a good job of pulling guys out of their game plans and lulling them into that that firefight. It's what O'Malley does too. So if they can just stay away from that and stay engaged with the grappling, mm-hmm. I think it's higher success. It, well, I was just going to say Marab does have a really great chin as well. We've seen him take some some shots and shoot right into a takedown after getting them. So Sure. And he also suggested, Jacob did, you know, that maybe Cheeto was the easier fight, you know, which could be, I think some people are even starting to assert that as like, well, it's probably the easiest option out of all mm-hmm. these people, right? Um, I kind of tend to agree with Brandon a little bit too. The more I think about it is like, yeah, but he does have the advantage of he has beat him again, you know, regardless of how that fight shook out, he does hold that. Um, but that kind of ties into my next question, and that is, you know, now that O'Malley has ended a historic title run against Aljamain Sterling, I'm curious to know how you guys would handicap his title reign as it now begins. Um, you know, would you look at, uh, when you look at the three guys that, you know, we just mentioned, really his next three to four potential opponents, I'll mm-hmm. say, Marab, Cheeto, Cejudo, Sanhagen, you know, does Sean O'Malley go plus or minus three title defenses in his first ever championship reign minus less really I don't you, think he you don't think he can get through t- three of those guys four of them all i four would of be them? i would be very surprised if yeah. he does yeah i would say under two because historically nobody's gone through three or it's four true. guys that's a I good mean, point it's a tough it's division. so good and you know when you talk about you know still trying to see the the wrestling wrinkle against guys who aren't strikers well now Corey Sanhagen is this guy who wrestles really well and is a high level striker now you know even Henry Cejudo has a good mix of things so there's still a lot of really good matchups for him and then you even have like a Umar who might be a winner so away from getting up to a fight like that and that's gonna be out for a little bit though um of all the possible opponents there so again Marab Cheeto Sanhagen Cejudo Mm -hmm. um We've just, uh, who has the chances to you guys, uh, with you guys, of dethroning Sean O'Malley of those four? Who has I guess. the best? Who has the best chance, do you think? If you had to send one guy in in December to, to take O'Malley out, right? Like you, you want O'Malley to, I'm not saying you guys do, but just hypothetically, right. you want O'Malley to get a loss in this first fight. Who would you send in there? Marab. Especially coming off the loss really? for Aljo, because I think that's just going to further fuel um, Marab's, like, you know, Mm-hmm. wanting to win that fight because they're so close. I'm sending Corey Sanhagen in there. Well, a healthy. He, he, yeah, the, the bad yeah. thing about Sanhagen is he's out for like six months. Yeah, so. all of them. Hel- I mean, even with like Henry, like it, all of them healthy, I think Corey Sanhagen has the be- the bigger, they're the bigger toolbox yeah. to really handle what Sean O'Malley does as far as staying with the striking, you know, managing the distance better, and then even being able to utilize the wrestling and why, grappling. Why do you think Jan was able to take down O'Malley as many times as he did? Well, so I saw an interview. That's interesting you say that because I saw an interview with O'Malley, um, and he kind of, I think it was actually played on the pay-per-view or it was on the prelims. ESPN showed it. It was just like an in-between fight interview package Mm -hmm. they did, and um, he kind of said that he turned Jan into a striker, right? Or a wrestler, excuse me. Um, He's like, you know, yeah, I'm not surprised when he fought me, he turned into a wrestler. Um, And he said he doesn't think that Jan came into that fight wanting to wrestle. He's like, I think he wanted to come in and strike me and outstrike me, and he didn't, so he started wrestling. So I kind of wonder if some of that maybe is he just wasn't expecting it in the Piotr Jan fight, Mm -hmm. maybe wasn't as prepared to defend those takedowns. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously coming into a fight like this, I mean, O'Malley even admitted it as much as this. This 
this is the scaredest he's ever been coming into a fight. He's like, I was genuinely afraid of, you know, Aljamain a little bit because I do see him as the Bantamweight go, and I knew the, you know, um, the uh, issues that he presented to O'Malley's mm-hmm. game. So maybe just that fear of, like, I don't want to get taken down and held down kind of brought the best out of him. And then as going into the Piotr Jan fight, he just wasn't as concerned with it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of my mm-hmm. theory on that. Didn't maybe. O'Malley say in the post-fight that he wasn't able to grapple six weeks before? Yeah, like, like broke his the fight, ribs, yeah. Which, I mean, that's another thing that adds to the fear of it. I think there's another thing, too. Al Jermaine isn't always super successful with takedown one, two, and three. He is, yeah, he does chain them together, which yeah. is something like I again, I I really him and Rob both are really good at that, mm-hmm. and I really thought we would see more of that. But um, again, man, maybe it's just some more credit to yeah. O'Malley's you know defense in that position. I mean, mm-hmm. he he defended it really well. And and what we're gonna do is we're gonna see how good it keeps getting because, like I said, these guys have seen the top of the division, so a lot of these guys under are working wrestling yeah. or are wrestlers coming up. I mean, you're not you weren't in asking that. You weren't suggesting that Piotr Jan is a better wrestler than Aljamain, were you? No, but that's what that's my point though. Like the yeah. fact that Jan was able to take him down multiple times in a three round fight. Sure. Well, why though? Like that's I it's guess not, that's why I'm probably curious. something you're not looking for. You that's probably right. didn't game plan for. I'm I don't know. I wonder if it's the type of takedowns too. Yeah. Like I wonder if that played a role because it wasn't like he was shooting blast doubles in the he middle. He was just of the kind cage. of level changing off of combinations. Well, uh, and I think it was a lot of trips. It was a lot yeah. of upper yeah. bodies mm-hmm. and things. Yeah, he did that one where you like kind of he steps past the foot and kind of trips him. Yeah. And there was quite a few against the fence, I think, like high crotches and things. So why? Yeah, I think again, you're right. Another question of like, why was Yon more successful at keeping O'Malley against the fence mm. compared to? Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is just questions that sure. their next opponent is going to have to ask. MMA math, man, mm. it's tough. I do, and I do want to touch a little bit more here, real quick, about um, the, or on the future of Aljamain Sterling. Um, who, by the way, was just all class after mm-hmm. the loss. You know, really went out of his way, I felt, to give O'Malley his moment, gave him his flowers. Um, but as we just mentioned, he did seem a bit reluctant to commit to the featherweight division. Um, and in a very honest assessment in his post-fight, he said, you know, if O'Malley caught him like that, imagine what Volkanovski would do to him. Um, and this is all after he told Ariel Hawani on Monday on the MMA Hour last week that with a win, he was 100% moving up to the featherweight division. And he said, even in a loss, he was 99% sure that he would move up. Mm -hmm. Um, He's the only one who can obviously make that decision. And given how active he's been, I say he definitely deserves some time and probably should take some time, Mm -hmm. you know, to soul search, as he said, and and really make that the right decision. Uh, But if a title rematch with O'Malley isn't presented to Aljo, you know, do you guys think he should explore other options? Or maybe even say if the title rematch is on the line, should he still go up? You know, you know, I don't know. I think if the rematch is there, I would personally like to see him take it. But other than that, I think he absolutely needs to move up, even though he lost. Um, yeah. I think a lot of that reaction of like, well, if in he can, moment. yeah, I think it was just in the moment. Yeah. He just got knocked out, yeah. and then he's you know at least wobbled and, and stunned really bad. So, how much of that played into his response mm-hmm. there? You yeah, know? give him give him some time, and, and I think that changes. I think regardless of anything, he just needs to take some time. Yeah, I agree. You know, he talked about totally needing time agree. before this fight and kind of feeling pushed into it. You know, like I said, the weight cuts are never super easy for him. And, you know, to have a moment like this, and he's been knocked out before, but mm. he wasn't on top of the world when that happened, and this time it was. So I feel like all these guys, when this stuff type this type of stuff happens, should take a step back for a little bit. You know, he talked about wanting to have let Marab have his moment. This kind of just delays that, so you don't know how that would affect their relationship yeah. if he does take the rematch um but i do think that you know if he can if he could change some things about how he rushes into people he has uh, an x factor that can still translate going up with his grappling yeah but he just needs to have go back to the drawing board a little bit on that game plan if he's going to fight these bigger guys 
Yeah, I just think you you know you just can't understate the run that Aljo has been on. You know, a run that dates back to 2018. Nine fights unbeaten in that time. It culminated in a world championship and three successful title defenses, all against guys who were considered to be the greatest of all time before him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you're out, if if Aljo does decide, I mean, to move on from this division, even in a loss, I think he can do that in confidence, knowing that he's leaving this division better than he found it, stronger than it's ever been. Um, and he would be leaving as the greatest to ever do it at one of the toughest weight classes, not just in the UFC, but in the sport as a whole mm-hmm. in an entirety, right, across all different promotions. This, this bantamweight division is consistently usually producing the toughest guys right. out there. Um, so to be able to have a moment like he did in a time there to stand on top of that, um, I think that's major, man. And I yeah. feel like if nothing else, he can, in confidence, you know, move on from this division. I know this probably isn't how you would want to leave it, given all that stuff I just said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I still think you're, it's justified. Like you know, right. I don't, I don't think he needs to chase a rematch to prove anything. If that makes sense, no. no. Check out Henry Cejudo, man. Dude, like that's you what I'm not wrestled Henry Cejudo as uh, uh, one of your recent every, defenses, right? But everybody, all his title fights: Piotr Jan, T.J. Dillashaw, Henry Cejudo. All three of those guys. Um, considered to be bantamweight goats before he we considered Aljo to right. be one. You know what I mean? He dethroned all of them from that position as far as I'm concerned. he's He has a win over Hinn and Barrow, who, again, was another guy who mm-hmm. was considered a bantamweight goat. And Cruz like, is the only one he didn't fight. Yeah, man. So, right. So, you know, it's like I just think regardless, I know it's tough, like I said. It'd be like ending your career on a loss, right? right. I, I'm sure that's got to be a tough pill to swallow for him. But um, that this one loss does not define Aljo's bantamweight right. run. And I think, like I said, he can move on confidently knowing that he is at least as we sit here today in 2023 the greatest bantamweight of all time um and we'll see man who's next up maybe it's sean o'malley he's got some work to do he does have some work to do uh and last thing i'll say before we move on from this fight because i do want to end on the new champion right is i think o'malley is going to be launched into a different stratosphere Mm -hmm. now in terms of fame and popularity um you almost can't even put into words how massive uh this dude is going to be i think i really believe it um if he can find a way to continue to defend this title and put on performances and finishes and wins like this um i'm gonna say it boys i think we might have someone here who may end up rivaling uh rivaling how do you say that? Rivaling. Rivaling Conor McGregor in terms of star power. Um, down to he's even discussing uh, boxing Tank Davis, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, he just gets it, man. He yeah. understands this position. He knows, and that's what, you know, it's so awesome is he just even though he's never been a champion, you know, he's kind of already thinking like one and acting like one. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a student of this game. He knows what it, it takes to get to this level. Um, and I think at the very least, we may be witnessing the genesis, so to speak, of the biggest UFC star since that crazy Conor McGregor era. I think we're entering something like that with him. Mm-hmm. If he can do an, at least one more, you know, and I think every time he does it, it's just going to get bigger and bigger, much like Conor during that time. Just hypothetically, if he goes out there and loses his next, like his first defense, how much do you think he loses his stock? I don't know, man, because, again, this is a guy, like I said, with Cheeto, right? He he was kind of already on this trajectory where he's getting bigger. The UFC, you know, a lot of us, we can throw our hands up, like, pushing him. And we thought, man, you know, why are they pushing this guy? You know, why this guy? You know, mm-hmm. what is it about Sean O'Malley? I mean, he's got the look, the hair, cool, the tattoos. That's what they're doing it for. Um, but he continued to show up. And then he loses to Cheeto. And you're like, well, that's it. That's going out. Because, yeah. like I said, we've seen that how many – I'm trying to think of people off the top, and I just can't think of any in this moment that – same thing. They're building. They're building. They lose once, and Dana's like, "You're out. See ya." Right. Next. You know what I mean? And that into and that's just kind of how this this sport mm-hmm. is in a sense, um, and especially on the business side of things. Not 
even relating to fighting. Um, but he came back from that, right? right. And, and now he's built himself somehow back up, and he's bigger than he ever was before the Cheeto loss. Somehow he turned that Cheeto loss <laughs> into a profitable thing with the undefeated hoodies. And I, right. I, I mean, he's just a genius, man. And that, just like Conor McGregor, just as talented as Conor McGregor was in the cage um, during that era. Uh, he was equally as talented and smart outside of it as, as mm -hmm. well in terms of marketing and selling himself. And I just think we haven't seen anybody do it like McGregor um, since now. You know, now we're starting yeah. to see it with O'Malley, but we haven't seen it like that, you know, since here with him. And it's like, and you know, just talking about how things have to line up for all this stuff to happen. You know, he loses that yawn fight by that decision. You know, who knows how long it takes him to get back up here. Gets yeah. past that, and now he's, you know, get the win over the Bantamweight GOAT. Set yourself up for your pick of the litter. Because as much as we want to say so-and-so is going to get this, we know that there's a level of, of um, there's a little bit of wiggle room for entertainment and best matchups yeah. that sell. So yeah. he puts himself in a great div uh, situation to at least kind of handpick his next couple. These next three months are going to be wild for that dude. Yeah. I'm telling you, he's going to be all over. Stay away from Vegas. Yeah, he's going to be on every ESPN sport. I mean, he's going to be, you're going to see him everywhere. I really think it. And, and the UFC smart enough. They know what they got on their hands. Boys, in our co-main event. <laughs> Zhang Wei Li defeats Amanda Limoges via unanimous decision. Uh, just a dominant, dominant showing by Wei Li. Uh, made it look easy here against Limoges. Um, and the addition of the grappling to her game kind of really reminds me of when we saw Shevchenko make that big jump in her game and mm -hmm. add the grappling and start dominating will, uh, women on the ground. Um, and this deserves so much. She just deserves a lot of credit, in my opinion, for making that addition to her game, recognizing she had that hole there. Um and as you see here, man, it makes her so it makes it so tough to beat her now. Mm -hmm. um, she also broke the record for the highest strike differential in uh, UFC women's history, outlanding Amanda Lamosh two hundred eighty-eight to twenty-one in a five-round fight. <laughs> that is wild, um, and not for a lack of trying on Lamosh's part, right? Um, but to only land twenty-one strikes in a five-round fight uh, just tells you if you did not watch this fight how dominant it was. Because, like I said, it's not like we had prolonged. Periods periods of time here where they were on the feet and, and Amanda just wasn't throwing right mm -hmm. she was throwing every chance she got it's right. just way Lee was so relentless with the takedowns mm -hmm. and once it got to the ground even still Limoge was fighting for every inch to try to get up throwing on submissions and I mean just positionally kind of like what we said on Monday's show with Bao Aljo what I said makes him so good is positionally he's covering every square inch mm -hmm. of your body and you have to fight for every square inch just to even get an underhook like yeah, you know it was, it was exhausting i couldn't imagine the level of just muscle fatigue that amanda limoge has by the end of that fight some of those no arm darts that limoge was throwing up yeah. had me very nervous yeah i mean having picked away lee for it dude but. i was losing my mind the first one when she had her she had her leg and she just let her legs go mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if she would have just held locked down a little longer she could have got i mean way lee was kind of starting to panic a little bit like get those twitches and then she tried that no-gi baseball back Yeah, choke. she did. When she went to go pick her up, she, like, tried to, like, wrap <laughs> mm -hmm. it around. Which I told John, I almost wondered if when she had her in half guard there with that darts, if, if in her head she thought she had a, like, oh, if I, if I let her pass, it's going to get tighter, much like a, you know, baseball. But mm -hmm. I don't know. She just let her legs go. Mm -hmm. yeah. I just was like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> you had it. Yeah, yeah. And, and for Whaley, it's not even, like, we're talking angles. We're talking, yeah. you know, transitions. Like, yeah. she just was... 
peak the peak version of her. I mean, she did get, you know, there's a couple times where some straight punches got in, but then immediately next time they came back around, duck, boom, now I got you down. And she ate him well too. Yeah. The ones that she took. And Limoges couldn't have made a mistake and every time she did, she paid for it. Mm. Yeah, well, and it's like it's not like in, you know, not trying to draw too many comparisons uh to Shevchenko, but you know, with Valentina, we got to a point where it was just like, you know, like, yeah, this is just, what do you say? Like, or even like Nunez, where it's like, yeah, what do you say? You know, this is what it is. It's like, no, she's still making jumps in her game. I mean, we're going to probably get there with her here soon, because what more can she really do? Mm-hmm. Even on the feet, you know, Limoges did crack her a couple times. She did get caught, but I mean... Whaley dropped Limoges. Yeah, she still was getting the better of the striking exchanges, the though. Yeah, John... <laughs> What would you say? Again? I tweeted out. It sounded like somebody like was like dropped a DVD player on the floor. <laughs> yeah, like you're trying to move it into the living room. Uh, he said that to me, and I just started dying on the couch for like that <laughs> whole entire round because that's literally what it sounded like. If you drop like an old DVD player, that's what it said. Just like it was just the thudding crack. And for Limoges to be able to still make it through that round, yeah. I did not see that. Oh, happening. dude, Amanda Limoges so tough, and and I feel like as we kind of move down this card, boys, we're gonna that's kind of gonna be the theme from here on out, right? Dominant performance, but the other person that lost came out of it looking good looking tough right Right. i mean that's kind of was the theme all night long uh because spoiler alert no more finishes to report on in terms of the main card yeah Yeah. um let's talk about kind of what's next though we do have a few possibilities obviously now for way lee with tantiana suarez and yan shaunown both were in attendance last night um so what would you guys like to see next you know would you like to see those ladies kind of face off maybe for a number one contender match or do you prefer one of the matchups over the other because i think with the grappling addition from way lee the suarez matchup is interesting right Mm -hmm. like that that becomes a little bit more of an interesting matchup now but I also don't know if there's any bigger fight um, the UFC can make in terms of women MMA, women's MMA right now than Zhang Weili versus Yan Xiaonan in China. Yeah, I think I, I don't know what that's women, where I lean. What woman? What women's uh, UFC fight could they make that's bigger than that right now? I just don't know. But that's just a lot of prerequisites, though. Like Absolutely. you got to get and it in China. You get, like there's a lot that sure. comes with that. So. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like what's going to happen is they're going to have to do that number one contender fight and then see winner takes winner takes Wei Li. But, well, you know, I would like to say that, but I feel like this Limoges title fight got set up without having some type of really defined, like, oh, this person you know gets the title shot. So if they can set up something in China, I think they do it because if you do that number one contender fight, you lo- I mean, you can still fight in China, but the idea of being able to do two of the top women in a division being from China in China could be huge. Well, in his post-fight press conference, conference Dana White did kind of hint that the Whaley in China uh, that Whaley in China is something um, that they are going to work on and obviously if that's what they do I think Shaunown has to be her opponent I mean mm-hmm. you don't take Suarez there or, or give Shaunown or uh, excuse me you don't give Whaley somebody else and let Shaunown and um, Suarez do a number one contender match like you know you do that fight while you can if you got it I if, just don't know how, have it, how quick that's gonna come to fruition I agree man and like we talked about leading into this fight on our Friday shows, I think one thing that kind of killed this matchup specifically was the UFC waited so long to put these ladies in this title fight. Speaking of Limoges and Whaley, mm-hmm. um, because like I said, back in November when both of them were coming off of wins, you know, the time to do it was book. It was then do it in March, whatever. Um, but instead they waited for your shout out to get hot and then Suarez to come back and now she's hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, 
leading into this fight, everybody's like, well, why is Lamoche fighting her then? You know right. what I mean? So it's like, uh, they don't want to wait though. That's the other thing. Like with the China thing, if you can make that happen, you have to make it happen now. That's the only mm -hmm. thing. I'll, I don't really necessarily think I have a preference either way. I think both matchups are, are going to happen. I think they're both phenomenal matchups. Um, but if you can do the China now, you got to do it now because mm -hmm. it's hot. I mean, I think that's kind of what people want to see. Right. And I think, you know, taking out Dern and taking out Jessica Andrade is, is a really big for, yeah. for Yan Shanon, who was already, you know, in that upper echelon at one time before. I think that she's definitely deserving. And same, I mean, for Suarez to do what she's been doing back is definitely as impressive as well. But I just think that the Dern and the Andrade just stand out a little bit more to me as far as her deserving a title shot. Boys, the next matchup we're going to talk about, Ian Machado Gary defeats Neil Magny via unanimous decision. Uh, this was just kind of about as one-sided as a UFC fight can get, um, and it has the scorecards to back it up. 30-26, 30-26, and 30-24 on one judge's scorecard gave... Um, Neil Magny, 10 eights every, or eight, eight, eight points, I guess, every round. Yeah. 10 eights for all three rounds. Um, this may be the most one sided collective scorecard from all three judges I think we've maybe seen in UFC history. I can't recall mm -mm. one more uh, one sided across all three judges unanimously. Uh, but super impressive performance by Ian Gary, man. Another guy. This dude's just a star, right? Yeah. You can just see it starting to happen. Um, absolutely wrecked. Magny's legs um, I think you could argue um, you would have liked to see him finish I was losing my mind because of my parlay he ruined my parlay um, it all this is all it came down to mm -hmm. once I had Carini Silva won and uh, Pedro and uh, Cheeto went to a decision mm -hmm. I'm like oh I'm sitting here to win this all I have to do is have Ian Gary finish he KO TKO submission I just yeah. needed him to finish Oh. 10 seconds in <laughs> 10 seconds in drops him with the leg kick <sighs> continues to take he batter was, his first two leg kicks knock neil magny to the ground yeah. like oh, come mm -hmm. on oh gosh so, but, so what do you chalk that up to like the uh, you know what i was screaming to john what was losing my mind is he wants to, he wants to knock him out with that <sighs> he wanted the one he shot want, he, front kick. he wanted the front kick you could tell that's what he i think he just wanted to separate him from consciousness like and he wanted that front kick because, dude, he could have chopped he could have chopped four or five leg kicks and it would have been done. Yep. But he was headhunting is mm -hmm. all it was. And it frustrated the dog shit out of me. I'm going to say <laughs> it. I'm going to let it out. I'm so upset. I'm not mad at uh, Ian Gary. Okay? I, it's not... It's just my parlay. But it's, well, it's, it's 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 a me problem. Well, we've seen some people have that issue, even like a Sean O'Malley, where it's like, <sighs> oh, you want to have a highlight thing so you can do a celebration, be on ESPN instead of like secure, like because even when they ask him about, it, he's like, no, I wanted to take my time, and it's like. Yeah, but, you know, when you're wanting to make statements, and you have this guy, I mean, at one point in the third, every time he cut, touched his leg, he was wincing and just bouncing yeah. on one foot. Mm -hmm. He was, Yeah, but you even said it perfectly. I thought John brought it, made a great point is, stop headhunting and looking for the highlight finish. The highlight is finishing Neil Magny. Yeah. That's tough to do in <laughs> itself. Like, When's the last time somebody got finished with leg kicks? Yeah, it's just, mm. I mean, it's impressive. But in all that, let me let me calm down. Let me come back. Let me come back down for it because this is only a parlay. Again, this is a Nate issue. This is a parlay <laughs> anger. Uh, to be fair, um, if 
if no one is ever or no one will ever question the toughness of Neil Magny, especially after that, but not mm-hmm. coming into it either. Um, but just a dominated guy like Magny in this manner isn't something we see a whole lot. Right. He is durable. He is tough. He's onrier than snot. Uh, he, but I will say for Ian Gary, he's the real deal, man. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what more you want to see from this guy. Um, I told you guys Friday, I kind of questioned the Jeff Neal matchup a little bit. I thought, you know, if we got that fight, I was prepared to p- pick Jeff Neal. I thought it'd be a step too far for Ian Gary. Seeing that last night, I think he could have handled Jeff Neal just fine. Yeah. Um, just how I said, you're, we're going to find out. Yeah. It's either going to be, oh, Mel, this was right, or oh, he's, he's I mean, I think his call out was perfect too. Yes. But real quick, I do want to ask you. Do you think that his antics will keep him away from being the star that like a Connor? No, because I think Connor did. I mean, yeah, Connor. Because it, well, I'm just saying because it's a carbon copy. It's not really like his own thing. Yeah, but it, I, everybody. The thing is, man, Connor wrote the book on how to be a star in mixed martial arts. Right. And nobody did it the way Connor did it before he did it. Um, and now everybody's trying to replicate it after. Because I guess well, I guess what I'm asking, like, do you like the push down and flip off afterwards and making a big deal yeah, out of the comment? I like it. P- like pre-fight and stuff. It doesn't. You don't like. No, I'm just asking how people feel about it. Because there was a lot of people on Twitter who thought it was like, oh, this is disgusting. Like, nah, I think people like it. For, I, yeah. I haven't seen anybody questioning that. I mean, even if they did, that's kind of what you want, right? You just yeah. want people talking about yeah. you. Yeah, for sure. And I, and that's what I'm saying. Like, he, he, he is following the script the way you should. Um, and speaking of that script, as John mentioned, uh, he said in his post-fight that he wants to prove he's the best striker in the uh, UFC welterweight division. And to do that, he needs to beat the best. Um, and he considers that person to be Steven Wonderboy. Thompson called him out. Dana said in his post-fight press conference that they did call Wonderboy during the fight. They offered it to him, and he has already turned it down as of last night. What? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Talk about a heel turn. I don't, man. But this, this, this is why I'm saying a heel turn, right? So you had the issue of because you didn't fight because of the weight cut. Then you said you made a statement like, hey, here's, here's something you guys need to know. If you're going to fight me, make weight. Or I'm not fighting you, but you refuse to fight wrestlers who are the best guys at making weight because they've been doing it their whole life. And then now you have this situation. Like I think he's losing so, some of that. Uh, yeah. So, what were you going to say? Well, so, I was go just going to say like I didn't know that. I didn't know that he had turned it down. Or yeah. That. They texted him and offered him, and it sounds like which I'll get to now. Um, they offered him to fight Gary in November at Madison Square Garden. Dana was also asked about an Ireland card with. Um, Ian Gary as the main event or on, you know, headlining it. And they asked about the Wonder Boy Thompson fight. Um, and Dana basically said, like, uh, Connor, again, Connor wrote the book. We know, we know what we're doing with guys like Ian Gary. He said, uh, Gary's going to MSG first in November. Then uh, they have to book, or, or what did he say? Let me find the quote. He's going to MSG first. Um, They've wrote the book on how to do this, and then they're going to take him to Dublin. So it's MSG in November, and then they said they'll talk Dublin for next year for Ian Gary. Um, but, yeah, they're definitely following the Conor McGregor program here, mm-hmm. right? Um, go D- ahead. Just to go back to the one more thing for a second, I thought I felt like that was almost a risky fight for Gary because, like, that's a fight he can very well lose because mm-hmm. Wonderboy has the striking to kind of yeah. almost be on par with him, and it's like you're, you're almost risking all of that motivation you're yeah. carrying into these fights. So I almost wonder if that's a – slightly good thing for Gary but at the same time it's a big name he would have taken off so and I don't know maybe if Wonderboy's still mad because they did not pay him for mm-hmm. that you know that's been a whole thing right they they and Dana's like again you know like we just don't do that type stuff and 
there's been cases where they do it, and that's kind of the bad thing, but we know there's no precedent set for anything in the UFC. They don't follow any type of pattern or anything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, to me, it just sounds like the Wonder Boy uh, UFC relationship is not great right now. So, because even for Dana to put that out there, right, he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to say, like, we text him, asked him tonight, and he's already turned it down. Like, yeah, they know. They well, know. They know what they're well, doing. Well, and for Ian Gary too, is like outside of Wonder Boy, the only top guy that doesn't have a fight right now yeah, is Shavkat, and you don't want that because he's not going to fight Gilbert. They train together. I, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know what Jeff Neal, how long he's going to be right. out. You know, you could still that yeah. fight. That fight still makes sense, even based on the rankings. You know, uh, Gary said he thinks he's going to be into the top ten this week. Mm-hmm. Um, he's currently ranked. Well, he's not ranked. Ian Gary wasn't ranked. Yes, he was. Wasn't he? Oh, he's a welterweight. I'm looking at middleweight. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gary came in ranked 13. Magny ranked 11. He thinks he's going to go into the top 10. Uh, to go into the top 10, he'd have to replace, you know, Luke's at 10. Sean Brady's at 9. Brady doesn't have a fight, does he? No, he's still hurt. I don't know if he's healthy yet. Good point. Um, what'd they figure out with Jack? De- oh, that's in the news. Jack Dell is yeah. in the news, so we won't talk about Shavkot's that. Shavkat's the only one that doesn't yeah. really have a fight. Wonderboy and Shavkat. Gilbert. But, you know, I think him and Gilbert are teammates. Yeah, they both so that, that that probably wouldn't happen again. You know, we've talked Unless about that. For a title. title would be yeah. the only situation that that would work out. So, I don't know, man. If Wonderboy's not the guy, I don't know who they're going to give to Gary unless, you know, Jeff Neal can turn around by mm-hmm. November. I still think that fight would make a ton of sense, yeah. though. No, I, I think that would be, I mean, still lines up and still allows him to, even if they can work things out with Wonderboy later to do the Ireland card. I mean, that's still there. For sure. Next fight, boys. Mario Bautista defeats Damon Blackshear via unanimous decision. Uh, this was a very close bout. Mm-hmm. Uh, one judge giving a 30-27, which made no sense at all. No. You know, uh, super fun round one, and it was about what I thought it would be for the for that first round. That's kind of what, you know, and I think if you gave uh, you know, Blackshear, you know, gave both these guys a training camp. I think it would have been that over three rounds. Um, both guys refusing to move backwards, throwing heat. Um, also some fun grappling exchanges. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seemed about halfway through round two, the seven-day turnaround for Blackshear started to catch up with him a little yeah. bit. Um, and by round three, Bautista was in full control. I think he kind of, that was the clearest round for either of these guys in this fight. Um, but nonetheless, man, like we said last week, this fight was just as much of a risk for Bautista as it was for Blackshear taking a last-minute fight, um, and he extends his win streak to five straight wins. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a win, regardless of the last-minute nature of it, that's going to age well because I think Blackshear is the real deal. Yeah, I mean, this was, a like you said, it was a very close fight. Me and my buddy I was watching with were both at the end of it, like, uh, not really too super certain on that one who took it away but it was very close um yeah i thought the grappling changes were fun i thought that guillotine he was gonna have dude i thought that was sunk in yeah Mm -hmm. um so credit to blackshear to build power out of that but um yeah i mean overall it was a good fight it was one of those that i was kind of in and out with as far as the card but yeah yeah, I thought Batista was a little shell-shocked in that first round by what Blackshear was able to do in the grappling exchanges and the striking, just kind of really putting him on his back foot a little bit. And then, like Nathan said, in the middle of the second round, that he had, his foot wasn't on the gas anymore. He started eating bigger shots. Um, like you said, too, at 30-27 was crazy. I don't get that. Did you just call me Nathan? Yeah. Are you my dad? <laughs> like, I mean, it depends the, on who you ask. I couldn't even tell you the last time somebody called me Nathan. Um, but I, I think it, this has shades of um, Diego <laughs> Lopez and Imola, or Ivolov where it's like, oh, if this guy gets a full training camp, this fight maybe even goes the other way mm. because it was just a really even matchup. I don't know if I'd go that far. 
I felt like yeah. I felt like he Lopez had a really had, good showing for himself. Lopez had way big moments in his fight. With right, him. but I'm just saying that there was like if that first round goes, you know, second and third, there's a good chance that Blackshear wins that. It would have just been the attrition difference. You know, could yeah. he have hung in there a little bit longer? Could he have maybe uh, snuck out that uh, third round? Although one judge gave it 30-27, so I don't mm-hmm. know how much it would have mattered. Um, but, you know, if he wins one more round on the other two judges, he could have won, right. you know, a split decision. But, yeah, it would have been interesting. And missed a chance out at two wins in one week. So I haven't had true. nobody do that yet. That's going to be tough, man. Yeah. I mean, you see how tough it is. That's, that's crazy. Boys, Marlon Chito Vera defeats Pedro Munoz via unanimous decision. A very close fight. Maybe a little closer than the scorecard suggested. You know, two judges, two judges easy for me to say, mm-hmm. scored it. Thir- I've done a lot of talking this weekend. We've done, we've done live <laughs> episodes. I worked Saturday. Four hours of fights last night. Most of them decision. Jumping yeah. right in. First thing Sunday morning, getting the episode out. This is it. This is this is life right now. Yeah. Uh, two judges scored at 30-27 for Cheeto. Again, it was super close, and I, I kind of told John, it's hard to complain, um, but I feel like Pedro may have gotten one or two of the, or one, round one or two, uh, but I also see giving that round to the same person, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, they were just so close. Um, I think the damage from T- Cheeto, though, especially with that jab, you know, that was the biggest difference maker. I feel he also didn't um, get off to a slow slow start like we were used to seeing. I felt Pedro uh, still had more volume, but Cheeto never allowed him to get too far ahead, which is massive for a guy like Cheeto and something that he's historically struggled with, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it was good to see him uh, make those improvements and get a win here. As we talked about, may have just landed him a title shot. Yeah. I don't know. I still felt like the beginning stages were a little slow for Cheeto, because I thought like Pedro Fair. took the, the first round. I he just never like, let him get too far ahead, though. You know, he yeah. kept it close the whole time. Um, but the damage, like I, I think I talked about that on Friday, the damage is what I was expecting to be the difference maker, mm-hmm. and it just was, man. I mean, Pedro was wearing all that by the end of the fight. Yeah. And, and I mean, Cheeto really wasn't. He he ate a lot of like punches and which, stuff, which but. makes me th- when in a potential matchup with O'Malley, he's like, man, that could be tough yeah. if he can mm-hmm. carry that into an O'Malley fight. But anyway, the, the Pedro fight, yeah, it's pretty much exactly what I expected with those straight punches down the middle and then Pedro kind of walking into him a little bit but you know good fight overall yeah and I think this you know we talked about it last night this might be the consistency we're looking for in judging where it's like damage is over volume because we've seen it on this whole card a lot uh, and a lot of the decisions that happened Absolutely, boys. Brad Tavares defeats Chris Weidman via unanimous decision. Um, and Tavares had no sympathy for Weidman and his legs coming into this fight. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Uh, ate up both of Weidman's legs. Looked just like the Magny-Gary fight, right? Very similar. Um, and But it was the difference maker for this fight as well. Um, he also did an incredible job defending the takedowns, as mm. he always does. It's a strong suit of Tavares. Um, and despite all the damage Tavares was doing, Weidman was still... Still marching forward. No quit. You love to see it. Um, I did see Dana said the UFC doctor thinks Weidman tore either his MCL or ACL in his other knee. Um, So he kind of said, you know, I hope that this is kind of it for Weidman. Um, But at the end of the day, it's Tavares who gets the win, uh, which he desperately needed, and Mm -hmm. he snaps a two-fight losing streak. Yeah, I think that he there was there were some points there where I felt like he was letting Weidman off the hook, letting him get close enough to throw big bombs. But eventually, he just started circling more, kept on damaging the leg. There was one of those where he hit him in like 
Chris Weidman just like folded in half mm. from the leg kick. Like it was just, it was getting tough to watch yeah. because not only is it tough because you're seeing somebody get battered, but because of him and his injury, you're just like, I know there's a rod in there, but geez, oh, man. Oh, dude, that's, I've, I mean, I've got a plate in mine, and that's what I told you guys Friday. It still hurts. Yeah. Like if somebody's like shin goes across that, it hurts. You feel that, you know, so mm-hmm. I can't imagine somebody blasting a leg well, kick. Well, at one at point, it. he started doing the Luke Rockhold where he's just getting hit and just cussing out loud. Well, like, I thought, yeah, I know. I thought it was interesting too. Like, you know, he said, he was going to come out and just like fire it right off the bat but as soon as the fight started he was tense i mean yeah. you could tell it's like he was good he was loose and then as soon as they said fight he got stiff well he went straight really, to a wrestling match he was really tight i think he only threw the leg like once didn't maybe they twice. did they say before any strikes were even thrown that he already had swelling on his leg i thought i heard I that, that. Mm, I, I don't remember hearing okay it. i thought i heard that i could be wrong but it, it I wondered about that after the fact. It, it wouldn't surprise like. me. Again, you know, I, I said Friday, like, and, and I'm and I'm not trying to be funny about it, but like, genuinely, I'm not a UFC athlete. But having a similar thing, like, my ankle just swells some days. Like, I'll get mm-hmm. home from work if I've been standing on it, and it's like double the size of my other ankle. I mean, it just so it mm-hmm. would not surprise me if he was in the back warming up, and and it just kind of naturally swelled yeah. a little bit, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just can't be understated. You know, we talked about it again on the live show, um, how massive that comeback is for a guy like. Chris mm-hmm. Weidman um, and maybe going through what I kind of went through I have a little bit more sympathy for it and just understanding of you know you go through some really dark days and it's painful and it's not easy and it's it's the stuff nobody sees right, right? Um, they're not there when you're doing your physical therapy stuff and it hurts and you just want to like cry and scream and mm-hmm. like punch the person that's like pushing and pulling and prodding at it and all this other stuff so to come back man um, it's just it's just awesome, but the fact he came back um, and got into a professional mixed martial arts fight, right? Because you know he mm-hmm. did the jujitsu match, but just to get into another professional mixed martial arts fight with another professional mixed martial artist. Go out artist. on his shield too, man. After Yeah, and after a break like that, man, just deserves so much respect and praise. Like I said, I know that's not what he wanted. I know he wanted the win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess if he's looking down the barrel now of another surgery, it's kind of hard not to agree with Dana yeah. White that it'd just be best to see a guy like Chris Weidman just move on. Like, you did that. Like, again, kind of like the Aljo thing. I know this isn't how you probably wanted to go out, mm-hmm. but man, you've achieved so much and what you just did was just so right. awesome. So well, and you know, a lot of guys who go out in a fight that doesn't look great and it's kind of a little bit ugly, they're getting put out and they're waking up and looking at their family. This year in a wheelchair, you know, you get the surgery, you can still have some yeah. a little bit left for your kids yeah. there. Like you don't want to take any more damage than yeah, you need. You want to be able to walk, man. Right. That's the biggest thing. Absolutely. Real quick, boys, also have to mention Brad Katana defeating Cody Gibson to become the 135 pound ultimate fighting champion. Uh, he became he becomes the first man to win tough twice. Um, and this this was a fight of the year contender, in my opinion. Um, they need to sign Cody Gibson ASAP. Too. I think Jana said he's not going anywhere. Um, as little interest as I had in this Ultimate Fighter season finale, uh, this fight literally had me on the edge of my couch. Like I'm just like losing my mind. Like whoa, whoa! Just blasting yeah, each other. Yeah, back and forth action. Both guys just banging it out. Um, this is one of those situations, like you know, you did hope seeing it like kind of like Stefan Bonner. They kind of mentioned that whole situation where you hope to see Gibson, and it does mm-hmm. sound like he's going to get it. Uh, but for Katana, who won the show before, had a run in the UFC, um, you just kind of hope he can get um, 
some some better fortune, so to speak, now right. in this second run in the UFC. Also, you had Kurt Halibo defeating Austin Hubbard uh, via second-round triangle to become the tough 155-pound champion. Beautiful uh, finishing sequence there by Halibo. Um, and though I did not watch most of this season, I told you guys, again, I'm not super surprised to see Halibo not just in the finale but win it. Um, when the roster was announced on who was going to be on this season, I went and looked through the guys and all their records and stuff, and I sent you guys. I was like, man, this guy went through the murderer's <laughs> yeah. row. Uh, Halibo in his first UFC run was over. 0-3 in the UFC, and then they cut him. Um, but he's been undefeated. I think he won like five or six after that. And I'm like, well, how did he do that bad in the UFC? Mm-hmm. Then you go look and see who he fought. <laughs> His three UFC fights were Hani Barcelos, Shane Burgos, and Thiago Moisés. Right. Like, just like a horrible first three fights in the UFC. Um, so, again, good for him. And hopefully, like Katana, you know, he can find um, some better fortunes this time around. And uh, make the most of that opportunity. Obviously, you had you know RoboCop with a big win as well. Mm. Um, I have to ask these last three questions. We are already at an hour, and we haven't even got to our <laughs> picks yet. Uh, biggest winner, Brandon, off this card. Who you going? Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley. Yeah. Who you think? Cheeto. Because really? Sean O'Malley winning puts him in a if 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 uh, Aljamain Sterling wins that fight, he's not in this conversation of you know who it might be a, who you face against Marab, mm. but now there's a chance he's actually in that fight. So I think that that leaves a lot because I think if 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 Aljamain wins that fight, you're probably talking Marab and Cejudo for the belt, or you know if Sanhagen maybe can get healthy. But I think that Cheeto by winning and by Sean O'Malley winning really puts himself in a chance where he could really get a title shot. I think it's Sean O'Malley because if Sean O'Malley doesn't win, Cheeto's whole situation doesn't matter. Well, he's still a top-rated guy. Yeah, but he's, he wouldn't be looking down a title shot right now either. Yeah. So I 100% say Sean O'Malley, biggest loser, Brandon. Ooh. Man, uh, Chris Weidman is that? Is that a, is that too low hanging fruit? That's me. <laughs> I, I think he's a contender for biggest winner again, just really? to make that walk again, man. That's massive. I don't know, but for what to get your legs beat up and then probably have to retire? I mean, it doesn't matter. He got through it. Like it you just does. don't know the struggle. That's all. I don't feel like I understand the question. To be honest, I feel like who's my, the biggest loser? Like who who lost the most? Do you feel like like not just like in terms of how do you you've never heard somebody say yeah i have but i just feel like my answers are always so different from you guys there's nothing wrong with that it's your opinion it's true if it's chris weidman i guess if you want to go there i mean yeah (laughs) that just is i mean let me think a little bit. john who's your biggest loser unfortunately it's pedro munoz that's two wins since 2019 the guy has since that time you know five losses and a no contest like it doesn't get i mean even trying to go back down to work your way back up it doesn't get any easier you know, as, as some of these guys are coming up. Yeah, this, this is, I. you know what, the more I'm thinking about it, this is, I think Pedro's a good one. Um, oh, man, yeah, I don't think Aljo, you know, because, again, he, he can walk away from the division and he's still the bantamweight goat. Uh, man, yeah, I don't know. This is a tough, I don't even want to say Limoges, but in terms of, like, numbers, she's definitely the biggest loser. How big of a loser do you think Volk would be since now you can't mm-hmm. have the Aljo? That's a good one. That does make the 45 picture a little interesting because I yeah. thought if Volk stuck around, it would be for Aljo. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think it hurts Volk. It just makes the decision to go up to 55 a little easier. I'll say Marab, Dwalishwili. Mm-hmm. Because I think given Aljo winning, or uh, excuse me, O'Malley winning and Cheeto winning, I think Marab might lose out on his title shot. So I'll go Marab. One fight to make, Brandon, after UFC 292. Mm. Oh, I think O'Malley Cheeto makes a lot of sense. That's your one? Yeah. Okay. John, what's your one fight to make? I, I would like to see Gary and Shavkat. Really? I think it's too mm-hmm. soon. Yeah, I think it's too soon. Well, I think if you're going to go up to Wonder Boy, Shavkat's, you know, in that area. The, if, 
But they're both getting pushed. I don't know. I think the one I like out of all of them, because I just don't know about the the Sean O'Malley. I think there's just so many options. I still think I'd like to see Marab just because I think he's more deserving. So I'm going to say Zhang Wei Li and Yan Xiaonan in China. That's the one fight mm. I want to see made. I could shift to that. Yeah, that's that's something I think is going to be could be really big. Brandon, update us on our scores. Okay, so current standings are Nate, Nate Nathan. You have 73. Nathan, yes, I'm Nathan. Yeah. Uh, I have Hold on. S- I've done more life with John than without him, and he's talking to me but like I didn't, I didn't meet like, you like as Nate. He, we were we were eleven years old. Like, hi, I'm Nathan. This is my brother Nolan. He's talking to me like we're just Facebook buds, or like he's see, like he, oh, I've seen your Facebook before. <laughs> just gotta remind people. Man, there's other what names around here. Uh, Nate's got seventy three. I have sixty two. John, you have fifty six. Um, I came away with four points last night. Nate, you had two, and John yeah. had three. Yeah, I took some swings. They did not pan out. I will say yeah. that. Boys, let's get to our picks. UFC Singapore this Saturday, August 26th, live from the Singapore Indoor Stadium in Kalong, Singapore. I hope I'm saying that right. And get your coffee ready because this card has a main card start time of 8 a.m. Eastern Standard with the prelims. Brandon will be up for these at 5 a.m. <laughs> um, and I love it as a uh, Premier League English soccer fan. Um, I love, there's nothing I love more than waking up, getting a cup of coffee and enjoying some live sports. Um, I believe I'm going to be forced to work, so I don't, I will probably yeah. be at work, but let's go. I'm down for some early AM fights. I love it. Yeah. It gets a chance to, and these are all good fights too. It's not like they're going to be uh, on paper. They're not snoozers. You're going to be pretty entertained the whole time. John, so. give us the quick synopsis of our main event. All right. In our main event, we have a fun one in the featherweight division with Max Holloway taking on fan favorite <laughs> so he just Green Zombie. <laughs> instead, uh, instead of it's the intro. <laughs> Jeez. I love it. Um, this fight's a matter of circumstance. Max found himself in a position. Hold on, time out. Because I feel like everybody just looked down at their phones to see if they just 3X their, their pot. You know how you can speed them up, like put it in double time? Like, yeah. dang, dang, did I just press swipe? Yeah. You guys just added 40 seconds onto this. I could have been through it already. Go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Either way, Max found himself in a spot where he couldn't beat the champion. Uh, talked about going up because he's beat all the contenders. But he did have a guy that he wanted to fight still in the featherweight division, inter-Korean zombie. Um, he was uh, also unable to beat the champion. Uh, and it even draws similar situations to that where was Korean zombie really the one who deserved the title shot? No, but he's a fan favorite. People wanted to see it. And I think it's the same thing for Max. Does Max need to be fighting Korean zombie? No, but Max wants to do it. People are going to still watch it. So mm-hmm. this is a chance for you know Max to decide, give him some time to decide if he wants to go to 55 and gives Korean zombie a chance to really show out in a, a, a area more where he's known. Yeah. Um, and although it doesn't seem like either one will get a title shot after this, I think the fans are going to get the favor here of seeing sure. a fight like this. Brandon, who are you taking? Uh, I'm in second. So, John. I'm, gonna oh, take, I'm yeah. taking Max Holloway. I will say a uh, third round TKO. Yeah, I think Max pretty the pretty obvious pick here. Mm-hmm. I'll take him by... Uh, Zombie's tough, but I think if Volk was able to put him out the way he did, I could mm. see Max doing it as well. You said third. Mm-hmm. I'll take fourth. I'll take fourth round in TKO. Yeah, like it's it is no surprise. Everybody's leaning Max Holloway. Um, as it shouldn't be, you know, when you have one of the best fighters under 155 pounds, you know, who's still in his prime going against a legend at the end of his. Um, and I told you guys, you know, this kind of seems reminiscent of the UFC giving Stefan Bonner, Anderson Silva, uh, who was mm-hmm. just kind of a dream matchup for him at the end of his UFC career. Uh, Stefan Bonner did take some PEDs. RIP to Stefan Bonner, mm. but hopefully we don't have that situation here. Um, but it's almost like it's a thank you, I feel like, in some regards. In the zombies, because Korean Zombies coaches even came out and were like, yeah, we are not thrilled about this matchup. We wanted him to take somebody easier. Um, but I also feel like this is a legacy fight, not just for the zombie, but also for Max as mm-hmm. well. 
you know, he said this is a guy that he's always hoped to face. Um, and I think Max is the kind of guy who, you know, out of just sheer respect for the Korean Zombie, isn't going to show up and take it easy on him. Um, he's going to come out there. He's going to try to put him out. Korean Zombie is tough as nails. Always dangerous as long as he's in there throwing punches. Um, I hope he goes down on his shield and in a blaze of glory because I don't know how many more of these we're going to get from the Zombie. Max hasn't finished an opponent since Brian Ortega in 2018. And I believe wow. that was a doctor stoppage, if I remember. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so, so I actually like the decision here because Zombie is so tough to put away. Um, yeah, so I'll take Max Holloway by decision. All righty. And our co-main, we have a good one with number eight, Anthony Smith, facing number 10, Ryan Spann. Uh, the top of the division is kind of a mess right now with people getting hurt, vacating titles, be probably being promised title shots upon their return. So there's a chance for these guys to create some clarity in that top 10. Uh, Smith actually has a first-round submission win over Spann in 2021, but has lost two in a row to some of the best guys in the division with Magomed and Johnny Walker. Um, so there's no doubt that he's fighting for his spot in the rankings. And on the other side, you had Spann, who had a resurgence of late, where he'd won two in a row after the Smith loss, but ran into some trouble against Nikita Krolov and lost that fight. Um, with there being so much in the air with the top five, and there's some some surging contenders coming up from the bottom, this is a chance for both of these guys to maintain their top ten status. I didn't. I'm sorry, I missed like your first couple. Did you mention that this is a rematch? Yeah. Okay. I said. Um, okay. I, I just. Yeah. I was. I was doing something. I, I didn't yeah. hear. So I just wanted to make sure that was out there. Yeah, go he ahead. Has a submission win in 2021. But my pick. I'm actually going to go Anthony Smith here. I think that um, it's going to be a little bit of the same, and I think that Ryan Spann, although he has this power and he has these type of X factor with that, he finds himself rushing into submissions like he did with Krolov. He was in a good spot, got a reversal, and fell right into a yeah. triangle. And I think that for Anthony Smith, he needs to really kind of slow this down, use his you know leg kicks, use his grappling as well. And obviously, we know he's a very great grappler. Uh, so I'm looking for Anthony Smith to double it down, and I'm going to say second-round sub. I actually like Ryan Spann here. Um, I think since they last fought, Ryan Spann has shown a little bit of of a, of a increase from where he was when he when he lost to Smith. And I also think that their fight was there was a lot of bad blood, a lot of emotions going into it. I think if Ryan Spann comes into this one focused and laser beam like he was against Reyes and and Eon and these guys, I think he's going to put out Smith. So I'm actually going to take him by first round submission. Yeah, and I think Anthony Smith does, you know, get a bit of an advantage for having won the first fight between these two. He caught Ryan Spann that night, and getting caught, as John mentioned, is a concern for me with Spann. Um, he's definitely made some mistakes in his fights that have cost him. If you look at all of his losses, you can usually pinpoint one mistake that he made, um, and at times it is that in-fight IQ that has been really questionable for me. But when he's on, um, or in his words, when he's actually training, uh, you know, he looks like a true contender in this weight class, and that's actually why I'm going to pick Ryan Spann here because I just think something seems a little off with Anthony mm, Smith. That does me. worry me a little bit. Um, he had a great opportunity in his last fight coming off some losses against Johnny Walker who was on a win streak with a ton of momentum. Um, this was a great opportunity for Smith to get right back in mixing it up in the top of the division, and he just seemed a little flat, a little off from what we're used to. Obviously, there was the whole thing where he's, like, yelling at Smith or Walker, you took everything, or I don't even know. Yeah. Um, obviously, the fight before that, he had the weird in injury against Ankalaev as well. So, you know, I don't know if maybe he's just dealing with some lingering issues there, mm -hmm. um, but just not the performances back-to-back -back we're kind of accustomed to seeing from Anthony Smith. Something just doesn't seem there for me. Right. Um, but he also he's also doing a ton of broadcasting. He does a good job at it, and I think when we see guys who transition that in their into that in their fighting careers, 
it does suffer a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. yes, the, the fighting side of it, yeah. I mean, it requires a lot of time, a lot of travel, um, and maybe for some fighters, when they see how much money they can make doing broadcasting and other things, it kind of takes a bit of that edge off in terms of the fighting, right? right. Um, because you're like, oh, I can make all this money doing this. Like, I don't have to put my body out there. And and I would love to see like a records like of like fighters who have gone into broadcasting and then mm. like their fighting records after they've started broadcasting. It'd be very interesting to see. Um, I'm hoping Ryan Span trained for this one. <laughs> his jab is lethal. We've seen him knock guys like Reyes out with it. Um, and I think his uh, ground game is actually pretty good as well. Right. Um, it's just, again, you know, he has to stop making those small mistakes. But I'm banking on him showing up Saturday, putting it all together against Smith. What would you say, Brandon? I said first round sub. I will take second round TKO for Ryan Span. <laughs> I think, I think Nate's just back to taking all my picks. He, hey, he tried he tried going against the grain in this last card and then I fumbled mean, the ball. You, you so can, here I always are. offer. You can always come around, <laughs> yeah. look at my notes on this computer, yeah. which I typed up. He's and, typing it up while you're saying yeah. it. Mm. I'm using, I got this eye keyboard in my glasses. <laughs> um, also on this card, as we mentioned, some fantastic matchups. Uh, number nine, Giga Chikadze versus number 15, Alex Caceres. Uh, Giga is returning after his UFC loss to Calvin Cater all the way back in January of 2022. Um, he took a lot of time off, obviously, after that loss. Uh, came in with a ton of hype into that fight, went 7-0 uh, out the gate in the UFC. If he would have beat Cater, probably would have been one fight maximum from a title shot. Um, and Alex Caceres has found a resurgence here late in his career, ranked inside the top 15, finds himself on a two-fight win streak. He's won seven of his last eight. Obviously, he's super well-rounded. He's good everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm fully expecting Guy to come out and put on a show here and find a win over Alex Caceres. I don't know if you guys feel the same, but that's kind of... I know we're not officially... Yeah. Yeah. for points, but I think Giga's going to win this one. Yeah, I think it could be similar to what Cater did when he turned around from Max, where yeah. it's like, a, and we've kind of seen that in this division. Sometimes these guys get dogged out for five rounds, and the next time they're like, okay, well, now I'm going to do it to somebody. The Cater loss actually kind of surprised me, and Caceres has got some really good grappling, so I actually wouldn't be too surprised sure. if Caceres be a little grapple-heavy and have some pretty big success against Giga. So. And, yeah, and I think it's interesting. You know, Max does Cater dirty over five rounds, Cater takes a year off, comes back, does Giga dirty over five rounds, and now here we are, Giga, you know, who's taken over a year off. Very interested to see if this mm -hmm. uh, streak of performances continues <laughs> here, and he just puts it on Caceres. Um, another fight on this card that, you know, people just cannot overlook, because I think um, it could very well determine a women's flyweight number one contender, and that is number three, Aaron Blanchfield versus number four, Tyla Santos. Uh, Blanchfield is one of the hottest prospects in MMA right now, women's MMA, really all of MMA. I'll keep mm -hmm. it in all of MMA. She's on an eight-fight win streak in her career, 5-0 in the UFC. She's coming in with three straight submission victories and making it look easy. Her last win was the absolute undoing of Jessica Andrade back in February. Um, and she's taking on her toughest test test to date has to be said in Tyler Santos. Santos is returning off that uh, title challenge against Shevchenko. Santos did lose the fight by split decision, um, and she gave Shevchenko all she could handle mm -hmm. that night, and then some even. Um, after the fight, it was reported that after an accidental headbutt by Valentina in the fight, I think it was in the fourth round, if I remember, mm -hmm. uh, Santos needed surgery to repair a broken orbital bone. Um, yeah, she kept fighting through that even after. Uh, so she's tough as nails. Right. Uh, this is a women's flyweight fight that I'm beyond excited for. I'm curious to know who you guys would take, because I think this is... 
Blanchfield's been like they said, making it look easy, but man, I can't get that fight out of my head from Santos, man. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning Santos here. I think Blanchfield looks, has looked great, yeah. but you gotta like with Andrade the way she's looked as of late. I'm still, it's not that I'm not completely sold on Blanchfield, but I, I think this is the true <sighs> test. Like if she, if she can get through Santos, mm-hmm. okay, but yeah, and Talia uses her wrestling and grappling as well, so it'll be yeah. interesting to see that back and forth. Ton of other fights we could talk about, obviously, but we just don't have time, boys. Mm-hmm. John, let's get into the news. Going on the news. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. Starting things off, we have a really fun fight with Kevin Holland staying true to his reputation on fighting anybody as he will be fighting Jack Della Maddalena September 16th for the UFC Mexican Independence Day card. I don't know if you guys see, but Kevin Holland announced it off of a taco truck. Okay. He was in a taco truck, and that's how he announced that he's fighting on there. That's funny. Uh, Unfortunately, although we add a great fight to that card, we also lose one, as Daniel Rodriguez has tested positive for a banned substance and will be forced out of his fight in September as well Mm. against Santiago Ponzinibbio. D-Rod is the one who announced it on his social media, saying he believes that positive tests came from a tainted dietary supplement. Yeah, we hear that a lot. I was actually going to ask you about this, Brandon, because I think you would know better than me, but... um, because that is a possibility, but don't they make like testers where like you can kind of test certain supplements to see if they contain, you know, like, like personally? Yeah. Isn't that something you can buy? I mean, you, you can buy a lot of your at like at home test kits for different like chemicals. Yeah. It's a lot of it's like substances you see people use out on the streets. I don't know how in depth you can do for like a supplement like that, especially. Yeah. And I also know how, what all you saw as testing for exactly that's banned. It's probably a very, very, very in depth list of, of substances that I doubt you could get a test. Yeah. Kit and you for. wonder if it's like a lapse of like, Oh, well I just take stuff that I get. And I mean, yeah, cause you, just, you do hear it a lot. Though. Yeah. Um, uh, moving on from that, we had some big fights in the PFL last Friday. Saw a couple fighters cement their place into the million-dollar finals. Larissa Pacheco continuing her dominance. <laughs> Very impressive. 16-second knockout victory. Two right hands Crazy. is all it took. Um, and this is coming off of obviously beating Carrie Harrison and now going back for another yeah. Millie. Um, also making his entry into the finals, heavyweight Hinnan Fajeda also had a first-round TKO victory over Maurice Green. Yeah. Put him down. Uh, and the last thing I have for you guys is just Jan Blachowicz was interviewed recently and said that he's interested in moving up to heavyweight and eyes a matchup with Tom Aspinall. Mm. And, and Aspinall was down, right? Yeah, he's like, I didn't see this coming, but I'm down. Yeah. So what's your guys' temperature gauge on that type of thing? I mean, it's a f- fun one. I don't see it. How do you see Blachowicz see looking at heavyweight? Yeah, I mean, this dude was a well t- or a middleweight at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I don't, I feel like maybe... I think he runs into that Chris Dawkins thing, man, where he's just kind of a little too undersized for the division. That's kind of what you I You also think maybe it's him trying to chase staying close to well, a title. But I also don't see like man, when you're at his age and you're where he is, um like going up, I mean, it's hard to say cuz we haven't seen like the chin fade from a guy like Blahovich yet, right. but going up and getting hit even harder by bigger guys, like I just don't see how that translates. You know, mm-hmm. usually going up late in the career is probably a smarter idea but that's such a big jump man from 205 to 225 it'd be good for pair to see yeah yeah that, that, there yeah i mean but we've seen it right like osp went up he didn't look terrible gus, he a middleweight gus at one went up gus didn't look great though but they have either of those guys been middleweight before because both um blahovich no, and alex there's no way either one of those guys were middleweights yeah so well, i see what you're saying yeah that's a better comparison i get it yeah it's it, it would be interesting just because he does have that pedigree i mean if you're taking alex Bahada shots you know you could probably take some of the heavyweights he does have a little bit of parity with john jones as far as like not getting a chance to fight him but 
Tommy Aspinall is probably not the guy you want to just jump in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a tough, <laughs> tough ask in your first heavyweight fight. Uh, song of the week goes to John, and uh, today, Monday, August 21st, is actually John's birthday. Yeah. So happy birthday, John. Um, so this is kind of important here for the vibes. You're setting up the birthday week here. Mm-hmm. Um, cause John's a guy that he loves birthdays and he's going to celebrate it probably for a month. Yeah. At least. Uh, so John, what is the vibes? What are we going? We're going with three, six mafia stay fly. I like it. That's a good birthday song. <laughs> that's a solid. That's, the, that's what I'm trying to go through the week with. So what's your one for the people? Uh, my one for the people is just shouting out to all the people who've been returning to the kickback show, man. Yeah. It's made it so much fun and made it so much easier for us because yeah. you guys do a little bit of the lifting for us by bringing up topics and pushing some of the conversation. Yeah. We definitely leave a lot more holes, you know, in those mm-hmm. shows because we want people to interact and you know, it's not just everything that we talk about. We always try to put like chat, like what do you guys think? Yeah. You know? And we so, were a little bit worried too on, on how, it was going to turn out but everybody showed yeah. up and it was really fun yeah i like it uh mine happy birthday john just Thank a little, little nod it. there um i found an app that i thought like was kind of cool for people who don't like to read john so you know you might be interested in this it's it's a it's it summarizes books down to like 20 minute bites and they're actually really good in-depth analyses of the books themselves but like cliff notes um, kind of but it's just but a, did you really read the book though if you did that yeah. Well, no, you didn't. That's what it's for people who don't. You might like it too, Nate. It's for people who don't take a lot of time to read. So it's just I read I every night, son. Yeah, I'm sure you do. So like, I thought it would be a, good, a cool little nod, some a little, mm-hmm. an app where people can take advantage of that. But I'm reading. Yeah. I'm reading that uh, Cobalt Red right now. I'm actually, almost the done one with you, it. The one you were telling me about. Yeah. Yeah. The physical book. Yeah. Can I borrow it when you're done? Yeah. Cool. I don't. I don't. If I'm gonna read, I want to hold it. I told you, I, I can't do the cell phone reading. Just, I don't like it. I need a book in my hand. Uh, That's it for us today. Come back next week. We will recap UFC Singapore um, and get you set up. I believe it's, I'm looking right now, Gone versus Spivak. Mm -hmm. The the Paris card is after that. Uh, Manon Fior and Rose Namajunas on that card. Benoit Saint-Denis and Tiago Moisés. Another great fight night. So come back. We'll get you guys ready for it. Till then, peace. Peace.